Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Uh, our our uh, scripture lesson this morning is taken from the book of Matthew. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 5 through 15. Jesus called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. The 12 disciples were sent out by Jesus with the following instructions. Don't go to any Gentile territory or any Samaritan towns. Instead, you are to go to the lost sheep of the people of Israel. Go and preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, bring the dead back to life, heal those who suffer from dreaded skin disease and drive out demons. You have received without paying, so give without being paid. Do not carry any gold, silver, or copper money in your bag for the trip, or an extra shirt or shoes or a walking stick. A worker should be given what he needs. And when you come to a town or a village, go in and look for someone who's willing to welcome you and stay with him until you leave that place. When you go into a house, say, peace be with you. If the people in that house welcome you, let your greeting of peace remain. But if they don't welcome you, then take back your greeting. And if some home or town will not welcome you or listen to you, then leave that place and shake the dust off your feet. I assure you that on the judgment day, God will show more mercy to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah than to the people of that town. My friends, trust me on this. There are limits. There are only so many times that we can take something, some mean-spirited stuff, and not lash back. There are only so many times that somebody can take what we're dishing out before they tell us to go jump. And God doesn't keep taking it either. I know God forgives. But remember this, there is a caveat. God forgives those who are truly penitent, who try to turn over a new leaf and not do that dreaded thing again. That's the good news. And the bad news, if you're not truly sorry, guess what? No forgiveness. And don't be deceived. God knows your heart. God knows if you're really sorry or if you're just mouthing the words. In Scripture, we read that we are to forgive 70 times 7. That's 490 times. I don't know about you, but by the 
third or fourth time I've experienced something, I'm pretty weary with it. And if I went through the same thing 20 or 30 times, I don't know how I would react. But 70 times seven, 490 times, I think even God would get weary and begin to wonder if that, begin to wonder if that person were truly sorry. I don't think so. There's a book I, that I have been intrigued with, and it's called Boundaries. And it was written by Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. It's one of those books where you read a paragraph and you think to yourself, oh, that's why. My book discussion group found it interesting and really helpful. There's so much in that book that it's impossible just to skim over any part of it. A friend said to me that since she's growing older, she feels that now she can do only the things that she enjoys. Sounds kind of selfish, but when you look at the big picture, why do we feel like we have to do things that we really don't like to do? I know that sometimes I do things that I don't particularly enjoy. When we have family or friends that we love and care for, we just naturally participate in activities that they enjoy, just like they do for us. We can't be totally selfish always, or we wouldn't have any friends or family left to do with, do things with. And we, why would we want to? In doing the things that we enjoy, or doing the things we don't enjoy, without always being consciously aware of it, we set our own limits. We might feel guilty about some of the limits we do set. We might not even realize that we've set a boundary. We just know it's something we don't want to do or something we don't feel comfortable with. The line is drawn, and we're not going to do that thing. It's kind of an intuitive thing. And it's a good thing. We've learned that little children start drawing boundaries pretty quickly. When you hear an emphatic no coming out of a toddler's mouth, that's drawing a boundary. They're learning that they can at least verbal, verbalize a choice. Mom or dad might not agree with that choice, but that's something the kids have to learn too. We always don't get a choice or don't get the choice that we'd like to have. Our first boundary is our skin, our own physical self. When a, when a child doesn't want to be hugged, that needs to be honored. They're setting a boundary. It doesn't mean they don't love you anymore. It just means that for right now, it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. Maybe next time, they'll make a run for you and grab your knees with a big bear hug. 
but it's important for children at an early age to learn that it's okay to tell somebody not to touch them. Children who have been physically abused may never get over it, especially without professional help. There, that first boundary has been violated. And if that first boundary has been violated, is anything else sacred? Well, Jesus set some limits of his, for his own. Remember the money changers in the temple? There was no doubt in anybody's mind that Jesus had reached his limit on that one. Jesus was also emphatic about children. Let the little children come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And we all remember the story of the woman at the well and what he said, you without sin, you cast the first stone. Throughout the New Testament, you can find instances of limits being set and boundaries being drawn. In our scripture this morning, Jesus is giving the disciples some guidelines and some limits. When you come to a town or village, go in and ask for someone who's willing to welcome you and stay with him until you leave that place. When you go into a house, say, peace be with you. And if the people in that house welcome you, let your greeting of peace remain. But if they don't welcome you, then take back your greeting. And if some house or town will not welcome you or listen to you, then leave that place and shake the dust off your feet. I assure you that on Judgment Day, God will show more mercy to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah than to the people of that town. I found it interesting in researching that passage what some of these things really meant, hard sometimes, such as finding a place and then staying in that place until you were ready to leave the area. It was important for the disciples to find an appropriate place to stay. Not to, not to stay with people of low morale or bad reputations, lest they might be associated with them. The thought came to my mind, you're known by the company you keep. Not that they were to totally disassociate this, themselves from this class of people, but they were to try to convert them and to stay in the same house. After they had been there a few days and saw the lay of the land, they were not to accept an invitation of those in higher places who had a more palatial house, for it would be a real slap in the face to their hosts if they did that. Sodom and Gomorrah were proverbial for their wickedness. It's interesting here to note that they had been guilty of a grave and vicious breach in the laws of hospitality. They had rejected the messengers of God. 
If in any place their message was refused, these messengers were to shake the dust of that place off their feet and to move on. Well, to the Jew, the dust of a Gentile place was defiling. So when the Jews crossed the border of Palestine and entered their own country, after a journey in Gentile lands, they shook the dust of the Gentile roads off their feet so that the last particle of pollution would be cleansed. He was not saying that certain areas had to be left behind as being outside the message of the gospel. However, at this time, the disciples were touring the country and had to do so as quickly as possible. So they simply had to move on when there was no immediate welcome for them. Time was short. As many as possible had to hear the good news. And there was just no time to argue and win them over. That would be done at a later time. However, it's one of the basic facts of life that time and again, an opportunity comes to a person and doesn't come back. To those people in Palestine, they had the opportunity to receive the gospel, but if they didn't take it, that opportunity might well never come again. This story, this story is told in the autobiography of the artist Augustus John. He was in Barcelona at a train station, ready to leave for Marseille when he encountered three gypsies. He was so struck by their beauty and elegance that he almost missed his train. Even when he reached Marseille and met his friend, he couldn't get their vision out of his mind. He, he had to return, but he never found these elegant beauties again. The artist was always looking for glimpses, glimpses of beauty to put on his camp, canvas, but he knew well that if he didn't paint the beauty when he found it, chances were he'd never see that glimpse again. The tragedy of life is so often the tragedy of the lost opportunity. We all have this overwhelming desire to be totally happy, to be totally fulfilled. The problem is life is cumulative. It can't be fully realized in just one moment. Joy and sadness, grief and jubilation, contentment and desire, they all happen all the time, not just when we want them to. And it's up to each of us to accept them as they come, live them, and then move on to the next adventure, bringing all of that knowledge and experience with us. This business that's been going on in Ukraine has us all sickened and appalled. 
those atrocities that we've read and heard about and seen on TV, those guys aren't even sorry for what they're doing. From all accounts, they're all pretty cocky and proud of themselves. There are limits as to how much we can take. There are limits as to how much we can understand. This does indeed pass all understanding and is in God's hands. There are limits and there are boundaries. We set them, our friends set them, our leaders set them, we all set them. We need to honor one another's limits and try not to cross over their boundaries in harmful, hurtful ways. God sets limits. We have to honor those limits most of all. Amen. <laughs>